The Path premiered on Hulu on March 30th, 2016. Let's put 56 minutes on the clock. Pilot study with Chris and Grimes. They're talking all of your favorite shows. But only the pilot episode that means the first show. In case you didn't know. Never know what show they're gonna talk about. But they're only gonna talk about the first one. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello and welcome to Pilot Study. My name is Chris Lantian and I'm your host and I'm joined, as always, he's about on the first rung of the ladder, it's John Grimes. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Always climbing the ladder. (laughs) 56 minutes. I don't know if we're going to make it that far. This show is... I guess I'm just interested to hear your thoughts because you texted me while you were watching it and you said, I'm 25 minutes in. And I don't know if I can make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was an interesting show. I, I guess I don't know where to start, but the beginning. Okay, hit me, hit me with the, the animated title. What's that? I said, hit me with the title talk. Well, the animated title sequence was very just. I don't think it went with the show at all. Do you? Um, no, if the show was like had a little fun to it and wasn't it didn't take itself overly serious and had a little bit more color to it, then yes, then the title would make sense. But it was the most colorful, happiest moment of the entire pilot. The rest is just fucking dark for dark's sake. Yeah, yeah, and too serious about nothing. Like talking about what should be, they they basically talk about what we should be seeing happen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I'm not sure why Aaron Paul and Michelle Monaghan saying it is better than them doing it, but well, <laughs> I don't. To, to be fair, they did do it. They did do it. <laughs> so, um, well, that that title sequence is also like this weird, like acrylic style, like presentation, and it's like basically it's kind of like telling a little bit of the story of first off. What's the name of the religion? Because I feel like we should know that. Is it? And we don't really. Is it Meyerism? I think is it's. It... I think it's Meyerism. And first off, that's a terrible, terrible name for a religion. No wonder <laughs> you have one compound, and that's about it. Because that is like. It's bad. That's like um, you. You didn't even take one branding class to just take your last name <laughs> and put an ism on the end. So. <laughs> Very generic. I just feel like we should definitely know what the religion is called after 56 minutes of this first episode. This isn't like a 20-minute pilot. This is like nearly an hour, and I still don't know what it's called. I still don't know what the core tenets are. And like you said, they could have just told us what they are, and they kind of do. But I would have liked to see them in action a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you get... So, basically, I guess the the plot of this show is that these people are all in a cult. Right. And Aaron Paul's character, Eddie, is having some sort of crisis of faith. Mm-hmm. We never really find out why he... I guess what he sees when he does ayahuasca to get to a next level in their religion. <laughs> he doesn't like what he sees during his trip and apparently discusses it with some lady in a hotel room. Right, yeah, the whole episode is based around the fact that, I think his name's Eddie Lane, played by Aaron Paul, he goes on, like, this retreat, and I think it's, like, to take the next step, 
yeah, the next rung because they're always talking about fucking ladders in this show. The next <laughs> rung in this in this Myerism path. He, so he goes on this retreat and basically drops acid, like Grimes said, and <laughs> has has a bad trip. He basically has a bad trip, and I'm not exactly sure why this is part of their process, but it is. And let's just jump right to the end since we're kind of just going over it quickly i believe i don't know what did the end mean for you because i believe that he sees the founder this myers guy dead like that they're hiding that he's dead but that was just my opinion i have no i have no idea what exactly it was but i that's my guess i i also believe that because he keeps he throughout the episode he starts asking questions he wants to know where the new tablets are from the master i mean this is basically just the scientology thing right like right. so yeah yeah um you know i think he's probably dead or there's some sort of shenanigans happening and well, my, Aaron Paul feels it. My guess is the snake that he sees at the end in that vision is the Hugh Dancy character and that the snake mm-hmm. has somehow cuz what what what's the saying snake in the sheets or whatever Snake in the grass. A snake in the grass. Yeah. So I believe that Dancy is the snake in the grass and has put the founder down in some way, and he's just saying that the fa- the founder is out in what was it Peru? Yeah. All great soul searching happens in Peru, by the way. <laughs> Apparently. So the founder is out in Peru, but really he's dead or like on his dying breath, and he and Cal is just trying to hold it together after doing something really bad. It seems like that would be my guess. I don't know. That all seems right to me. Is, that, that would be the traditional canned like plot points I think they would cover. Is Snake in the Sheets, is that like something sexual that I brought up? I don't I mean kind of, but I Let me let me see I'm looking up Snake in the Sheets to see if there's a um a urban dictionary entry on it. And <laughs> apparently there is not, so I guess I just made that up. But uh <laughs> Yeah, it's um I think we should probably start, since we kind of got the plot synopsis out of the way, I think we should probably start with Aaron Paul, because obviously we both have, you're going to have preconceived notions coming into a, the first show for Aaron Paul after Breaking Bad, and yeah. this isn't like him jumping into like a big blockbuster movie like Need for Speed and trying to like make it as a movie star. This is him returning to the format that made him lovable and that made him famous and you know, kind of even returning to a part that's slightly similar. There's not a ton of crossover, but there is some like emotional crossover with Jesse Pinkman. Um, I will say that he really, he really went to the Aaron Paul highlight reel early and often, which is crying and putting your hand over your mouth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and squinting, kind of. Yeah, yeah, he's. I mean, he's a great on-screen crier. He's like up there with Claire Danes. As like the to- <laughs> the top on screen criers that we have, but do we? I don't think we needed to see it in like the first. I mean, he cries like four times in the in this first episode. I think we do need to see it to be reminded of when he was on Breaking Bad. I think that's why they did it <laughs> when when he was on an actual good show. <laughs> yeah, they're like just keep it. You remember this is your guy now. Stick with him. Watch the whole season. He doesn't he? He seems like he's the perfect choice for this role a this faithful member or we think he's this faithful member one of my major issues with this show is that we never ever see him at strong faith like we don't see him praying to whatever 
<laughs> whatever god i guess they worship a god we don't see him like at full faith ever so him at half faith has no effect on us because we don't know what he was previously like even when he's doing that little speech to the converts or the people they rescue from the tornado it seems like he's faking it like it seems like he's acting within his acting performance to just uh, appease cal aka yeah he doesn't want them to know that yeah he doesn't want them to know that he's like this is bs i mean so I think without seeing him at full faith, like half faith doesn't do anything for me because there's no difference from any prior character establishment. Do you kind of right. get kind of get what I'm saying? You can't just say that he was a big figure in this and then just let us believe it. We ne- we need to see this stuff. Right. We see very little. We see a lot of like you said, Aaron Paul acting. We see a lot of nice, well shot scenes that are kind of. There's like sex scenes, but I don't even care about those. I'm just like, okay, great. They're doing this now. <laughs> There's two more minutes of this bullshit over at least. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And yeah, it's just uh, we needed to see him. They should have shown him as a kid, like loving it or getting his last promotion up the ladder or whatever, at least. Yeah. I mean, the basic tenets of creative storytelling are, are show, not tell. And all they do this whole freaking episode is tell us, like, exposition that we need to know like apparently there's a ladder involved apparently they really like energy in the sun (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like okay you're telling us a lot but you're not showing us anything and i mean really the best part of the whole episode is the, the design of the compound and like the fact that the the church is like this big red barn with these big huge windows. I don't know. I thought the design of the compound was like top notch. Yeah, it seems real. It seems real, and it seems like they just borrowed like the cult headquarters of some other hippie commune. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is funny how hippies and cults are like basically a fine line between them. Um, were you surprised at all that they're big farmers? No, not at all, because you have to have some way to, you know, support the BS. You have to have something to sell, like a real product, not like a god. Yeah, what do you think they do for money? Do you think I'm sure they just go to the farmer's market and sell their stupid cucumbers. Because, I mean, Scientology really, really hit the nail on the head with, like, economics and that they made their members pay, like, a certain amount to get to each level and to get more information. Right. I mean, that's just, like, despite what you believe in. That's just a genius business plan. <laughs> right, right. Because you you're, seems to be working out okay for them. Because unless the story sucks, you're always going to want, unless the story is like the path level quality, you're always going <laughs> to want to know the end. So you're going to continue to pay and the organization is con- going to continue to push on. That's why I think Scientology is like the greatest branding effort of our century. I think it's amazingly well branded and not just the, the uh, celebrities, but just like, the whole, basically the whole operation is expertly constructed, which I love. Um, but yeah, the, and the miracle of Scientology is that it happened in our century, in the future, when people are supposed to be smart. Like, this isn't like Mormonism with some dude in the woods, like, <laughs> totally, like a guy that's been in jail six times for lying. Right. You know, this is like, this happened in now. Like, know. you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's incredible. Um, so... Back to Aaron Paul. So he, again, he seems perfect for this character. He is, he he could be the pro. He's like the prototype for a non-believer or a dissenting opinion. And yet, I don't, I don't care about him really at all. Like, 
I know I know he's a good actor, but this he's just busting out all his usual tricks. I don't really the character itself doesn't really do much for me. Like so he so he goes to the retreat and they do these flashback things and he has a dead brother. Not, none of it landed with me. I don't know. Did any nope. did anything land with you in his character? Um well, when his wife is probably going to bang the bad guy, that landed because I I believe, you know, he didn't cheat on his wife, so now she thinks he did and that's mm-hmm. going to like ruin their deal and they seem pretty like an okay couple from the minimal like all you see them is arguing or having sex, so that seems pretty real. If if you know if if your if your idea of a good couple is a completely batshit crazy, <laughs> well, I just sure. like they for you get a sense that like they did like each other at one point at least. Oh yeah, yeah for sure because it wasn't like an arranged rape marriage in their cult or something. No, no, like part of the story is that she was born into it. Her parents were part of this this myerism, and I would assume friends with the founder, as they call him. And I think they call him the founder, right? They probably don't want to call him the master because then they're basically Um, remaking that Philip Seymour Hoffman movie. Yeah, they do not call him the master, but I didn't write down what they call him. I think they call him the founder, but so she's been she's born into it, and she's been doing this her whole life. And Aaron Paul comes from like this damaged background. He's going to commit suicide after his brother did. And what he he ran across like a pamphlet or something. What's what's the story there? I I can't quite remember. he ran into a bookstore and started leafing through a book, and it happened to be by the founder. Right, which is another Scientology crossroads there, because basically the same thing. Yeah. A big thing was them was uh, L. Ron Hubbard, who of course was an author. Another thing that I really kind of saw from a mile away was Dancy being this this like um, hidden violent person. Like, I mean, come on, they they telegraph that the whole way. Right, you know something's up with him for sure because he's too, the people who are too good on the surface are always the most effed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he just has, like, the the haircut. I think the haircut is, like, suitably creepy. Yeah, that is, like, the creep-ass haircut. And you know what that reminded me of was Bradley Cooper in um, Wedding Crashers. Really? Just, like, the buff jock asshole (laughs) that you know deep down, like, murders kittens <laughs> he's uh he's doing pull-ups at one point yeah getting ripped um yeah exactly that was necessary right well, and then he doesn't own that lady like come on so since we're kind of in negative zone here what's another con you had another thing that just wasn't uh, wasn't right in this episode because like it's well made and I don't know. There's just something missing from here, from this show that I can't quite pinpoint. I'm hoping we do by the end of this episode, but for right now, I just I can't grab onto what this show's missing. You know, with shows like nowadays, I guess people invest so much time and energy and money into entertainment. So we want everything to be Mad Men, Breaking Bad, Sopranos quality. And even with like Breaking Bad, it took me two or three tries with that pilot because I'm like, I don't care about malcolm in the middle's dad and his underwear that seems really weird like (laughs) but then you know you keep going back and and what is that thing that makes you go back and stick with the show and love it and i I don't know either but it's not it's not here like it has michelle monahan who's actually like too good looking (laughs) it has aaron paul who's great like we we like him you know he's good we're not shitting on him Dancy, he's fine. He fits this role. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. The, the show is stacked with good performances. I just, 
I don't feel like any of any of their um, any of their motivations are clearly defined enough to put us at this point in the story. I think we're at the wrong point in the story. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe we get dropped off too late, or they don't. We like definitely, most of the pilots we talk about, we go over. You know, do they cover the pilot basics? And I don't know if like the characters aren't really all that fleshed out. I mean, you have to infer a lot of shit. You have to kind of have this having this knowledge of. The Philip Seymour Hoffman movie kind of helps. Like, yeah, yeah. You've you've got a plane flying over you. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're well, okay. <laughs> um, can't control that. <laughs> um, can't you call the airport and tell them to just tone it down for like forty more minutes? I guess I'm in the path of the airplane. <laughs> oh, um, dad joke. Now, now that we're talking about airplanes, I completely forgot my point. Oh yeah, so we're definitely dropped off way too late in the journey. Like we need to be dropped off when Aaron Paul finds that bookstore and comes to this organization and is encountering this Michelle, is it Monaghan? Yeah. Okay. Monaghan. When he encounters her character, when he Mm -hmm. encounters Hugh Dancy for the first time, that love triangle that obviously took place. It's like all the good stuff has come, has come and gone already. (laughs) And we're like, and they're going to, of course, back out of it, but you know, I don't want to see it in retro. I don't want everything to be a flashback. No, either do I, and I can feel that that's like a lot of the way that they're going. But we're dropping. They already did it. This is the wrong part of the journey. Like I want to see what Paul's really good at is being able to completely is being able to bounce back and forth from being completely dedicated to the to a cause and being completely disenfranchised and all the steps in between. And we're not going to see that because we're not going to see him taking those first steps. Right. Which really just threw me for a loop in terms of like he should be the new convert that's coming in here like that's a real acting showcase for him instead he's just kind of like going to motel rooms at night and talking with random blonde chicks and then we our our new converts are entirely boring like mary who is the worst like let's just get that out of the way well so what's her deal she's a heroin addict or something heroin addict prostituted out by her dad Right. Um, so the beginning, a rough story. and I guess we should mention the beginning of the show. The very first scene is there's been a tornado, I guess. Yeah, it looks like a trailer park tornado. And it ter- tears up all these houses, and these Meyerism people show up in all these vans, and basically they're, I would assume they scout out disasters um, for their converts, which is a smart strategy because you get these people who are on their last legs, you give them a place to stay, food to eat, all these different things. And all of a sudden they're kind of indebted to you slash you have them in church every Sunday. Right. So it's a very smart strategy and part of this crop that they get, um, cause they really do treat these people like items basically is Mary, who is a heroin addict, as you said, and who was farmed out by her father and who strips down naked in front of Hugh Dancy at one point for no reason. Well, the reason is she wants Hugh's Dancy. <laughs> but yes, he's but, but a why? <laughs> which I and see at that moment, you know, like we said, he's a snake in the grass. And at that moment I had respect because I'm like, most of these cult dudes, they're really doing it for sex and or money. Right. When he turned her down at first, I was like, ah, so this guy's like Maybe he's legit and Aaron Paul's the bad guy, but, you know, it's Aaron Paul's show. So, yeah, I, she does strip down and yeah, I guess there's no real reason 
reason other than maybe that's just her way of relating to men. She's just a nothing character for me. Like she didn't. They wasted a lot of time on it. She didn't bring anything like. Um, she didn't bring anything urgent to the part. Yeah, she's had a messed up life. So what else is there to her? Like, I mean, and then they go and they beat up the father. So, and the father also lives in a trailer park, but not her trailer park. Like, why wasn't his house destroyed in this tornado? Right, maybe he had already rebuilt his life because, I mean, you know. <laughs> I just, I'm gonna move on to a pro because we've been we've been okay sh- yeah i don't want to get too yeah we've been we've been, we've been shitting on the show and it does have its good aspects like i think it's really i think it's really well made and i think the compound design is incredible but more so than that i think michelle monaghan is suitably cocky i like her in this show i think she's really good yeah good performance probably the best one in the show she is she feels like somebody who grew up knowing the entire life message or message in quotes she she feels like somebody who is cocky because they they know what's going to happen when they die they know like what life is leading to and you don't and i kind of like that aspect of her it would be nice to go through life with that kind of confidence (laughs) yeah like I mean, just imagine if you knew exactly what was going to happen after you died. I don't know, and and it does like it creeps up. Some people and, think they know. I know, and they're probably wrong, but it does like linger in my mind at times, as like depressing as that is. And it would be crazy to feel like you know that like a hundred percent. Michelle Monaghan knows it a hundred percent, and that's what's interesting about her character. There's no shades of gray to her belief. It's just black and right. white. She's. You're, I think, what do they call the people that aren't believers? I feel like they call them something. Oh, oh yes, they did, and I should have written that down. That's, it's, a, that's a biggie. It's in one of these reviews. Transgressors? Well, oh, that, no, that's that's what he did wrong. Yeah, that's somebody That's somebody who fucks up, which is kind of... And I also will say that um, Monaghan's name is Sarah Lane, so if we want to use that from now on. So we have Cal, Eddie, who's Aaron Paul, and Sarah Lane. I can't find I can't find what they call them, but they call them something pretty fun. Oh, they're called ignorance, <laughs> and that nice. that might be in the second episode because I believe this review is based on the first two. But at one point they call them ign- ignorance. So, oh hey, and they call it the Myrist movement. Okay, so it's not Myrism, I guess the Myrist movement. Okay, so I thought one good thing was that they do meditation in the morning. Because, you know, that's a good, peaceful way to start any day for anybody of any faith or cult. Do you still do meditation? I know you used to do it when, when <laughs> we were in Sometimes, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't do it like that where it's guided and there's a peaceful lady speaking. Although that lady at Edinburgh was great. How do you, how do you set it up? Um, I just sit on the floor. Hmm. Music? Anywhere. No music. I keep my eyes open as well. Okay. So that's good. And then the score, uh, more importantly than the meditation, maybe, but <laughs> like the um, part where Eddie is knocking on the hotel room door, there's this just throbbing musical note that just keeps repeating, gets a little bit louder. Uh, that actually reminded me a lot of Breaking Bad. You don't see who opens the hotel room door. Um, it's very suspenseful. The music was awesome. And throughout the episode, it's like you can tell it's there, kind of pushing the boringness along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like the music um, in terms of the co- like when they're at the compound. 
and when they're doing like uh, maybe during the sermon it happened, but just like kind of when they're when they're around their home base, there's this really really nice. It kind of reminded me of Arcade Fire's work in the movie Her, like these mm. really bright keys and like a little bit synthy, but just like really. Um, it just felt like inspirational, <laughs> like inspirational indie rock or something. I so you're going to join this thing is what you're oh, saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. They got me. <laughs> they, they totally got me. I'm in. Uh, no, I thought the score was really good. I have the name written down for the guy, but it's in my notes somewhere. Um, he wasn't somebody who did like a ton of stuff. He's, he's not like a super experienced or um, longtime composer or anything, but uh, maybe I'll, I'll have to put his name in our show notes. Um, but he did a great job. I thought the music was one of the standout aspects of this episode. Which yeah, is, same. Which, especially for a pilot, it's hard to establish. I feel like it's hard to establish like solid themes, like for certain moments in your show during a pilot, because it is so focused on plot and establishing character. But the music really does take center stage here, and I think it has its own identity, which again I think is a rarity when it comes to pilots. Like to to come away and be like, wow, that had good music in the first episode. I think that only is probably good for the remain remainder of this season. I just hope they don't return to it so much that they pound it into your head. Um, um, let's see. I'm really trying to look for another positive. Yeah, I I only had score, Monaghan, and compound, and that's about it. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, my other my other con. I'll bring up another con. Um, one of the executive producers of this show is a guy named Jason Cadams, and he did Friday Night Lights, and he did Parenthood. And although I do believe Parenthood does cross over into kind of the religion, like how religion plays in the light, in the lives of families at times, I really saw this as more of like a companion piece. And I know he's not the creator. That is Jessica Goldberg. Um, but what, what I saw more of a comparison with was Friday Night Lights. Because Friday Night Lights and the way they depict football on that show, they depict that, in Texas football in particular, as a very cult-like activity. Like, mm-hmm. their their sermon is the Friday Night football game. And people are calling for the head of the leader being the coach. And all these different things that kind of relate to the show that we have here. Like, kind of the, the passion and the um, obsession at times. Um, and the fact that they kind of use children as their base, right? The same thing we do in high school football. So th- that was one of the big things. Like it kind of reminded me of Friday Night Lights in a lot of the points. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I did not draw that connection, but I definitely agree and see where you're coming from. Um, but on, on that same regard, like in that show and even in the pilot episode, you believe in the cult of Texas football right away. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in the power and the obsession with this cult right away because like i said they don't really establish a lot of a lot of the emotional ties that bring people to their movement like the texas football thing a lot of the emotional tie is that that's all they have like friday night is their big night they're out in the middle of texas there's not much else to do (laughs) um all the all your your um high school kids are on the team or involved or cheerleaders or at the game, they established that really strong in that first episode of that series. But I don't, I don't really see what the, what's the draw of the cult here? Why are people coming to it? 
Right, and I think football is the draw. Like, you're going to watch Friday Night Lights because you already like football. Right. And the te- that, up, that town you just described is my town. There's nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Everybody is either at the game because their kid's playing or their kid's in the band or their kid's there and they want to make sure they're not acting crazy. It's like the town event. Uh, so... With that, you're already in. You're invested. I like football. I like this. I can relate to this experience. Like, there's nothing to relate to on the path. You can't relate to it really visually as a cool show because it doesn't. There's no action. Mm. You the story's fine, but most people haven't been in a cult, thankfully, so they can't really <laughs> relate. There's no like instant buy-in like there would be with Friday Night Lights. You I know? was I was gonna ask you, what kind of cult would you be most attracted to? You think? Like which which one do you think like if you hung out for a couple of days you might you might stick around? <laughs> well, I did write down some stuff about this because I love the idea of hippie communes. Like we okay. all live in a big farmhouse and every person or a couple has like their own room and everyone has a job and we share the weed and the chores and like <laughs> you know, and then it always sex and money is what ruins all this stuff. Same with religion, cults, communes, like people get horny and greedy and they go insane. Or they kill somebody or like shit gets fucked up with the story. Somebody lies or breaks and you know, there's always a downfall. Mm-hmm. So for me, I guess my kind of cult, other than the cults I've been a part of, which are like, you know, my religious upbringing and going to Penn State. <laughs> um, yeah, I think a commune, like a good hip. I wouldn't want too much religion, maybe some Eastern bullshit thrown in like yoga and meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, but nah, the, I would want a commune over a cult. Okay, I'm going to go through some of my... I like that answer. I also like that... It's just automatic that there's going to be weed at your commune. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> that's the whole hippie undertone, I guess. Uh, I have some random notes, and you can jump in with any of your random notes as well. But I wrote down a lot, and I haven't got to really any of it. First off, what is... So Mary, at the very beginning of the show, she drinks out of this blue jug of, like, something. What What is she drinking out of? Like, she takes um, she takes this big gulp out of, like, this blue jug of liquid. I think she was looking for water, and then they provided water. Okay. So she must have drank bleach or something. She was, like, going through. Yeah, that was weird. I didn't really note that, but that was weird. Yeah, did she, like, take a gulp of bleach? Because that's what it looked like. It Um, must have been bleach or, like, antifreeze or something. Oh, yeah, it could have been antifreeze. Um, Also, did they have their own, like, what are those water bottles that, like, the ones that Cal drinks out of? Do they have, like, their own ones with their logo on it? Yeah, it looks like they did. They're all about water. <laughs> They're all about like poor branding efforts um, and not making money, and they love water. Yeah. Uh, there's this really nice shot of their home in the very beginning that also reminded me of Friday Night Lights with the sun shining behind it. That's like the cinematography that they really, really pounded into your head uh, mm-hmm. in that show. Uh, in a good way, not in a bad way. Um, he's wearing that Path t-shirt. Like, uh, oh, yeah. Aaron, Path is, Aaron Paul is wearing that Path t-shirt. That's a pretty cool shirt. I would wear that. Yeah, yeah. They have like a good. They have kind of a cool logo. I dig it. So, what did you think about like? So she comes downstairs. She hears them talking on the phone at night or something, and she comes downstairs because she thinks that he's cheating on her. When really mm-hmm. he's like, he feels like he knows that the the path is fake or that Myrism is um, 
false in some way, ha- has no truth. And she comes down and she steps on the toy. Now, if you stepped on the toy and you, you were in this situation, wouldn't you just walk in and pretend like you were just coming downstairs? Yeah, I would just go to get a drink or something. The, like moments like that just ring of such falsities because you would you would just go with it. You wouldn't hide behind it like right. setting up a cool camera angle. And if he got up to look, don't you think he would go further than just sticking his face into the hallway? <laughs> like if he was that I concerned? I know. Like if he's really hiding something, he would yeah. go a little bit further than He doesn't even shut the damn door. Like he's no. not talking to another lady if he's not shutting the door. Okay, so another random note. <laughs> Hugh Hugh Dancy, aka Cal, the first I guess he's been gone for a while when the show picks up. Again, the show does not leave us at a cool part in the journey at all. So he's like back from some mission trip or to go see the founder or whatever and possibly kill him. Um, and he sees Sarah Lane and he immediately starts hitting on her. Yeah. Like, what's going on? <laughs> Wouldn't he try to be a little more subtle if he's like the leader? He's like, oh, go break, break my heart again. It's like, hmm. Yeah, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> they should have had him say that. That's like the obvious next line. How, how's Eddie? Dead, I hope. Because we're going to bang. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, whore. <laughs> so, so... Pretty um, awkward there. It's awkward, yeah. It's not like a way to set him up as like the smooth, suave um, pastor type. Uh, yeah, so they're writing a Bible of some sort. They're writing some new book. Uh, I do like the establishment of like their college past. It seems like they met in like a... Co- I know they didn't meet in college, but it seems like they met in like a college-like environment, you know, mm. where... Like, they were kind of staying up late and thinking about ways to change the world. Or, you know, I believe they do mention that they they were, have been friends for a really long time. And just Sarah picked Eddie over Cal, which I'm sure will be a big thing in this season. Yeah, and you can tell it makes Eddie insecure. So that's another reason why he's going to hate this religion. Because the head dude is trying to steal his wife. I mean, that's <laughs> never going to be... A big thing. Like, you're not going to want to hang out and go to church with some guy trying to steal your wife. Yeah, like, that probably plays into his disenfranchisement with the movement, considering the pastor is, again, trying to hit it with his girl. Um, Probably doesn't help. I also thought Mike Birbiglia should have been the yoga leader. Oh, man, Birbiglia would be great in that role. Yeah, he would be a really good yoga leader. I don't. The guy was basically doing a Birbiglia. And yeah, that's true. Maybe they couldn't get him I was now just, that he's like doing things. I was just hoping that he would show up. Uh, yeah, and I've got a bunch of notes about Mary, but I think we already talked about them all. And then Allison is kind of the last character we haven't hit on, and she is the one that Aaron Paul meets with in the hotel room and the one that apparently she's on the run from these guys, it seems like. Yeah, she ran away. You know, and that's another thing they steal from Scientology is that I know, like, I've actually done research and I've written long extended papers on Scientology um, for grad school. And, like, a big thing was that, and it was basically how the media treated them. This paper was how the media treated them and what were the major events that shaped their their public perception within the media. And a big thing was there was this report on, like, it might have been Nightline or something, but it was this this, uh, news segment about how the Scientology members, when somebody quit, they wouldn't let them quit, basically. Right. They would, like, show up at their house, and they would follow them. And, like, I believe the person had to take legal action to, like, get them away from her for a certain period of time. 
So, like, they definitely borrowed that from Scientology. They borrow a lot of stuff, I feel like. Yeah, and I mean, thankfully, like, I've seen The Master more than once, and I love it. I think it's a freaking classic, but that's part of the deal. Like, they record you when you're doing your cleansing or whatever, and then when you try to quit, they like, well, we have tapes of you saying every weird-ass thing you've ever thought or done, so yeah. we'll, like, give those tapes to your family if you don't stay in and keep keep part of the machine it's really scary and, but i mean part of the scientology thing is also that these people however far they go up the ladder not not the not the past ladder their ladder the the real ladder <laughs> the, the real ladder they know more of the secret information that you have to pay for basically so right. and of course it eventually all leaked out via south park and i'm sure some other stuff but south park was the big pop culture moment but i mean that they were trying to protect that that brand story and um which of course made keeping people in this religion so so important uh, i also like the idea that cal is not an originator like he's not he wasn't born into it i feel like he has something to prove because of that yeah he has a chip on his shoulder because of that and because he didn't get like the founder's daughter yeah that's well she i don't think she's the founder's daughter but i think she's oh like, you think she's just like a kid that was there yeah she's not the founder's daughter she is i believe her parents like oh, they just like knew the dude. Yeah, they like hung out with him, and I think she I she was born into that environment. I I would assume she's met oh, the founder. Yeah. Born into yeah. the environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you get the commercial on Hulu where Aaron Paul is like a counselor for binge watching? No, because I have Hulu commercial free. Holy shit, <laughs> dog! <laughs> That's baller. Um, Not to brag, but you know. Well, you know, we do have a TV podcast. You kind of got to make the investment. So Aaron Paul plays like this. He's in like this um, circle, like therapy group. And it's about binge watching. So it's kind of like a humorous take on like a therapy group or whatever. But he's the counselor. And that kind of was, was like a microcosm of what this show is to me. Like they've taken Aaron Paul and I think they've stripped him of a little about what makes him good. Like those steps of gray in between, you know, like, like I talked about, being away from the path and being on the path fully. And they've kind of put him in, like, the counselor role. Like, they've kind of um, made him a little sterile and a little dry. Yeah, too neutral. He's too neutral, and, yeah, he's he does have a quest, and he's trying to find out the truth or the lack of truth. But it's just, I don't know. He's he's not the counselor. He's the patient. That's his role. It doesn't. Right. It, it doesn't work with, when he's the counselor, and I think they're trying to do that to him in the show as well. Um, I did like. There's another really good moment where he's he's like used for new recruits, and apparently all the people in the trailer park are all meth heads because they're all trying to like get him in their religion. Like it was kind of weird that like none of the people from the tornado left. They were all just in that big group later on. Yeah. I don't don't really know, but anyways, for, he for no other characters, <laughs> right? He tells that story about how his brother killed himself and how he was home basically, and then he proceeds in this really cool like voiceover transition thing. He proceeds to tell his daughter the worst bedtime story ever. Yeah, ever. Like, <laughs> yeah. is that a Myerism story, or do you think he really thought that like? It was like a war hospital story or something, right? As the doctor walked up the steep mountain, he thought about all the horrible things he had done to the soldiers at the hospital. Yeah, it was 
pretty weird, but it was definitely a Meyerism story. Like that's another way to indoctrinate people is you got to get yeah. them when they're young. It was like it was fucking nightmare fuel for that little girl. It was and very then, weird. Yeah. And then I noticed that that very same night, the both the parents take off and leave their child alone. So if she does, yeah, so. if, she, if she does have a nightmare, no parents are around to help at all. <laughs> that's an interesting parenting like strategy. My, and my my last little thing before we can talk about some other TV shows before we hang it up today, since it's fifty six minutes and I have a couple more things okay. you know, to go off, so we're good. We got um, fifteen minutes left, so I, I did want to <laughs> I did want to talk about the structure of the show and that I I didn't like like the flashbacks and like everything kind of having to connect at the end and like bouncing back and forth between present and past and I think every time they like had momentum set up. They went backwards. Yes. And that was just, I mean, I know how that, why they built it that way, because you needed that final shot, that stinger at the end, um, <clears throat> kind of like a pilot tradition to have something that is like a little bit of a mystery, um, especially for dramas. But I just, I didn't like the, the forward momentum of this show or the lack of. Yeah. I mean, again, that's why they should have gone through the show and we watch Aaron Paul's character go through the shit rather than having to flashback every time there's a huge gap in the story where we have no clue what the fuck's going on. <laughs> They're like, hold on, let's flashback 20 years or let's flash to a fucking ayahuasca trip and now let's flash <laughs> to a nightmare. And it's like, no, just, you know, do the shit right. So I've talked for far too long. Give me some of your notes that you picked up while watching. Well, one, my favorite scene, um, of the whole show was when Cal is speaking to, the, I, I guess, the higher ups or the regulars, not new people, like people that are in it to win it. Mm-hmm. And he tells the story of Plato's Cave. Um, I thought that was actually a pretty cool scene overall, just in in general, like the stuff, like the uh, film clips behind him, and then. At the end, he like they drop this cloth and the sun comes shining in, and he's like the bringer of light. <laughs> yeah, he's the. And then at the end, of he's the a show, he's a definite showman. I like that. He has about all him. this charisma, and you know that's a good story. And ironically, that story is often used against religion. They say religious people are in the cave still, and they're missing life because they're seeing the shadows, scary shadows of like what they think are monsters and blah, blah, blah. Mm. We all have that story, but, right. um, so I thought that was awesome how they like shot that and they made it. So while they didn't show Aaron Paul's character doing a lot of preaching or, or like, uh, whatever for the religion, he was there and they showed him like kind of, forgetting that he was supposed to give this guy a standing ovation. You can tell there's tension, I guess. That was one scene where they did build a little bit of tension. And it was well shot. So that was cool. And then I wanted to ask you, a lot of this is about intuition. Like she says, um, Michelle Monaghan's character is like, I can intuit that like things are... She can like right. sense things about people. Well, that's, that's, so, her, that, that's her cockiness, though. She feels as if she... She has the 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 world's message like already programmed into her, so she she knows exactly what's going on just by feeling. They're all about feeling, you know. They are and energy and intuition and a bunch of other bullshit broad terms. <laughs> 
that you you can't prove or disprove. That's what, exactly. That's what makes a religion powerful is if you can't prove or disprove anything. So it's right. all based on faith. It's all you get in or you get out what you exactly how much you put into it. There's a lot of normal religious people that go on Easter and Christmas and they try to be good people and they're just like regular everyday people. Those are the normal ones. <laughs> then you know, it's like everything like politics like sports like whatever you take it so far sometimes that you just become an unbearable human and, and these I, people are like that i think and i feel like you know you mentioned that that sermon scene being powerful i feel like that could have come like that could have been our show moment like that could have come earlier in the episode excuse me geez i keep hiccuping that could have come earlier in the episode and established his his disenfranchisement with the movement a little bit. Like it wasn't like a really flashy scene on Paul's end. It was flashy on Dancy's end. Um, I think that would have been a cool early scene. And also I think that a lot of people underrate the ability to play like a charismatic leader. I remember when Paul Dano um, was in there will be blood and he plays like this really hyperactive, intense preacher yeah, yeah. And I, I just remember thinking, like, oh, God, this guy's going to get all the award love. He's going to win an Oscar. It's an incredible performance. And he, he didn't win anything. And I think people kind of underrate the ability to just, like, preach on screen and be convincing and um, be energetic. And I don't know. That seems like an underrated role in Hollywood. Well, that's because Hollywood is full of satanic liberals that hate God. <laughs> So they can't uplift a preacher at all or else, you know, all the God people will start coming around. We need a new generation of Reagans who are going to take all the good roles and it's going to bring conservatism into our lives I think we have it. It's called everyone voting for Trump. (laughs) Yeah, but we need it in Hollywood. We need it among actors. Oh, it's coming. You start putting Kid Rock in movies, dude. And shows, Silicon Valley. Let's not forget that. Um, but anywho so going back to that in that case she happened to be right though her intuition was correct she sensed something was up with him and it indeed is just not what she thinks right so it's not very accurate it's just which shows that it's she's full of shit i think kind of cracks a little in her armor intuition equals um being able to tell when your husband's not in bed at night and walking down the stairs (laughs) and seeing him on the phone (laughs) Real good intuition, yeah. girl. So, anywho, I think that was one time where she wasn't like the perfect. What and then playing off your, you, we already talked about the squeaky toy scene. So, yeah. other than that, dude, I just had a lot of notes about how messed up religion is. We don't need to get too much more <laughs> into that. Um, and you know, he's really he's researching his religion at the library. Like more people should do this. Like I would advise anyone who is religious to like look up what people that don't like your religion have to say because people only hear the same message they never hear and and that's not necessarily a problem but that's how cults can thrive because they don't let outside information in Mm -hmm. so if more people like would google what they believe they'd be surprised what they would hear from people who might not believe it so say something like uh broad and general and shitty like hope and change or make america great again something <laughs> like that something you can't really prove or disprove yeah i like um, that uh do you want do you want to do some reviews real quick i picked out a couple reviews 
Sure, I'm interested in reviews because this show just dropped. This is a fresh Hulu product, so yeah. So the Metascore, the average is 70, so that's based on 30 critics. So I tried to I tried to pick one good one and one bad one because it seems to be pretty well in the middle, surprisingly. Hmm. Like I don't think we I don't think we've talked about too many shows that are in that point. So the group exists a stone's throw beyond the point where this kind of feverish belief goes from being obnoxious to potentially fatal. It's a tricky balance to achieve, and this is from the AV Club, and let me get the author, Joshua Alston. It is a tricky balance to achieve, and while the Myrists become more sinister over time, oh, that wasn't telegraphed, the path spends most of its 10-episode first season in the gray area where personal faith becomes a public concern. So, okay. So this person was into it. They gave it a B+. Um, right. And they said it's both a relief and slight disappointment when the path starts to look more like a television show in the second episode. So it probably has more of a, a television type structure. Now for HitFix, and this is Alan Seppenwall, and he's a pretty famous TV writer. He goes a B minus. So so the reviews really do run the gamut there. Um, like I said, it's a 70, so positive, but people aren't loving it. I feel like this might be one of those shows where. Like it has a pretty, a pretty like no pun intended like faithful base. It's a small yet faithful base, and the and critics just can't fully attach themselves to it. I I don't see, like, I've heard stuff about the first season and how like they're like oh well those the first ten episodes they really set up a cool second season. I don't like shows like that. Like I don't think I should no. have to watch ten hours for it to finally get good. Right. I already <laughs> dealt with that with Mad Men. I had it's to like, watch three years. Jesus I actually, I actually like basically all of Mad Men, but I think... I don't know. Me if too, I'm... but you know what I mean. It's not like action-packed. Yeah, it really heats up action-wise in the fourth season when they... <laughs> <laughs> it, as action-packed as Mad Men could be. So let's, uh, let's wrap it up today. Um, let's, let's do our plugs. Go ahead. All right, so follow me on Twitter, at underscore GrimesJohn. Um, and that's it. Thanks for listening. Uh, this has been episode number 21 of Pilot Study. And uh, we have three more episodes until we wrap up that first season. And then we'll go back into the lab and figure out what we're going to do for that second season and how we're going to approach it. Uh, we have a few more episodes left next week. We'll drop a preview for that at the end of this episode. And in the final one, in episode 24, we are going to induct an ep- a pilot into our Hall of Fame. So we'll have a crazy good pilot. We'll induct it into the Hall of Fame, and then you won't hear from us for a few weeks while we prepare for season two. So just should... like a real TV season, get it? Like, yeah, just like a real... take summer off. <laughs> <laughs> now, if the path was twenty-four episodes, and they're all an hour, then I think I, I might kill myself. <laughs> It'd be a lot of talk about right and wrong, and, and energy, and I don't think I could handle that. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Lantine, C-H-R-I-S-L-A-N-T-I-N-E-N. And, of course, thank you for listening. Rate and review us on iTunes. Do all that good stuff. Thank you, Grimes, for joining me today. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And we will talk to you guys soon. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Next time on Pilot Study. In five, four, three, two. Live on tape from Hollywood.
The Larry Sanders Show. Tonight, join Larry and his guests, John Lovett, Lyle Lovett, Steve Duchesne, and me, Hey Now, Hank Kingsley. And now, because we've tried it with just the desk, and it really isn't the same.